The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. We celebrate this 33rd Sunday in the ordinary time. The tabernacle candle in the church burns this week in loving memory of Marjorie Ann Laville. The beautiful flowers in the sanctuary are in loving memory of Tyrone Honoré Sr. on the first anniversary of his death, donated by his eight children. The second collection today is for the building fund. Today is your last chance to sign the photo of St. Agnes Church that we're giving to Father Hill. It's uh, directly there in the, set, in the vestibule of the church. Uh, I'm going to invite you to, to be able to sign, uh, sign the, your signature on the frame if you haven't done so already. And there's a book next to it on the table if you'd like to write a longer message to Father Hill in gratitude for his priesthood and his ministry here. This coming Saturday, November the 20th, we'll be having our fall parish work day from 9 a.m. until noon. The focus will be on outdoor landscape tasks. Uh, we'll also have a few indoor tasks for those who are desirous of staying indoors. Uh, but if you're coming to work out outside, we invite you to bring uh, some tools along with you if you have them. Uh, we're looking for, uh, probably looking for wheelbarrows, uh, for shovels, for hammers and some power tools and things. Uh, so we're working on, on planting some plants, caring for some of the trees around the campus, uh, as well as trying to take down the rosary walk uh, out in the, uh, in the rosary courtyard over there. Uh, since it's, it's not been able to be used, uh, it's fallen into disrepair. And so uh, we're going to pull that down and, and uh, start fresh and with a new, uh, a new place for us to be able to honor our Blessed Mother and have the rosary walk in the garden there. So certainly invite everyone to, to come and join us if you are able. A retreat for girls in grades 6 through 8 will be offered uh, at Camp Abbey in Covington, December 10th through the 12th. Uh, we, uh, the religious sisters, the servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary, will be conducting the retreat uh, in conjunction with the Office of Vocations for the Diocese. There's an informational uh, flyer on the bulletin, uh, the bulletin board in the back of the church. There seems to be in the human mind a fascination with the end of the world. We make movies about it. We make movies about how people are able to, to stay it off from, from various disasters that often come from the heavens, and so they, they preserve us from the end of the world. 
We have all these various movies that come along with things of just uh, when, when all of society kind of falls to pieces. Some of them might seem rather much like our first reading that we heard today of what well, was we recognize the St. Michael the Archangel coming, but also that there are those uh, who are raised up from the dirt, uh, and they begin to walk around these, these horrid and abominable beings. It sounds a bit like a zombie apocalypse type of movie uh, that is uh, often common and popular in our culture, that people love to be able to go and to, to watch these things, to be fascinated with the thoughts of the end. They pay good money, and the movie producers spend lots of money and certainly make it as well. As we focus upon and and consider what the end is like, there are some individuals in the world who have predicted when the end would come. They they would point to certain dates. I'm reminded of Charles Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witness, uh, who first predicted that the world was going to end in 1914, He died in 1916, rather let down, that it had not happened. His followers then predicted that it would happen again in 1925, then at the end of World War II, then in 1975, then 1989. I haven't heard the recent update, but I'm sure one is coming, right? This points where individuals, they, they try to read into the scriptures, the end, and, and, and all this becomes a rather fantastic thing that people focus upon. Both in the Catholic and the Protestant worlds, novels about the end or, or, or theological treatises or reflections or visions or seers all focus upon what the end will be, when it will be, gathering up all the signs and trying to point to us that very frequently it is now. And they might well be right in the end, but we don't know. In the end, ultimately... It's for us not to fret over all of these things, for us not to necessarily try to figure out exactly when is the day, when is the hour, because not even the angels nor the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, is aware of these things, but only the Father. If someone politely tells you that they know when the end is going to be, smile at them and nod, and then probably back away slowly because what will follow will never be something that is reasonable. It is known only to the Father. But our Lord does tell us, as we hear in the Gospel and elsewhere in the Scriptures, that there will be signs. Again, the darkening of the sun, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky. We hear elsewhere that there will be wars and rumors of war, that there will be division, There will be separation among families, separation among nations, that there will be great sufferings at the end. The fascinating thing about this is that such events happen rather frequently. I was told of another, of a story uh, some weeks ago that uh, recounting uh, somewhere in the world, I forget where it was, but uh, in the 1800s, a community uh, was surprised to find at the nighttime hour that meteorites are little, you know, the, um, the stars are falling from the sky, as we hear in the scripture, such the, the tune of 100,000 an hour. And it was so terrifying that they thought the world was coming to an end, and they treated it as such. And yet, here we are, still here. We can consider all of these things, and to recognize that in the end, the Lord does give us signs. But I think he also, um, in his divine sense of humor, in a sense, 
allows those signs to be seen generation after generation after generation after generation. If we base ourselves in the end of the world and our expectation and preparation for it on the wars and the rumors of war, it is always the end. Because there's always a war happening somewhere. If it stops in one place, it starts up somewhere else in the world. There are always the signs. And I think the Lord permits these things in a manner of of allowing us every generation to prepare our hearts and to be willing to look around the world and to be able to see and wonder, is this it? Is this what we've been waiting for? Is this what our Lord prophesied? And for us to respond in our own hearts. Again, one is not supposed to necessarily prepare in just all the external things. The most important way of preparation for the end of the world is not to stock up as many canned goods as humanly possible, as if that's a viable long-term option when the Lord comes in His glory, but rather to store up great treasures in heaven, namely God's grace, and to prepare your own heart for the Lord to come. The reality is that sin affects all of us. All of us are tainted by it. All of us fall to it daily. And the Lord tells us, the scriptures tell us, that sin necessarily corrupts three relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, and the relationship even within our own heart. That we struggle sometimes to do the thing that we intend to do, in short. And it's this relationships that our Lord would have us prepare for his coming. First and foremost, to go to confession. This is the best way to prepare for anything in the Christian life. It's the one single and sole reason that our blessed Lord stripped himself of his heavenly glory, came down among us, incarnate of the blessed virgin, that he lived among us, that he taught, that he preached, that he established a church, that he took on, that he took on the cross upon himself, that he, that he bore that cross up to Calvary where he laid down his life for us, descended to hell, rose, ascended, and continues to sit at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. The singular reason for all of that is to cancel out sin in our lives. That is the reason he came to be able to unite us to God the Father in the short term, but also in eternity by being able to bring remission, forgiveness of our sins. So it is for us first and foremost to go to confession. If we would prepare our hearts for the Lord to come, it is to be freed from sin that is most important. Secondly, is to uh, seek to be reconciled with others. St. Paul in the scriptures invites us and exhorts us, really, um, not to let the sun set on our anger, not to let the day end without being reconciled with others. If there's reconciliation that needs to take place, whether us forgiving them or us seeking forgiveness of others, or at least apologizing and being able to do what we can to reconcile our relationships, this is what the Lord desires. And not to delay but to seek reconciliation as quickly as possible, that the soul might be at peace with one another. And lastly, to ensure that reconciliation happens within one's own heart. Again, how easy it is for us to live the words that St. Paul says elsewhere in his epistle, that I do the thing I don't want to do, and I don't do the thing I want to do. 
We desire to be freed from sin, and yet we sin. And we desire to do good things, and yet we don't do the good things. And it's this kind of a war happening within us, the flesh fighting against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And it's our Lord who desires those two to be reconciled with one another, to live a life of holiness in short. It doesn't have to be in dramatic things. It's in living one's own life and vocation well, to be able to care properly for those who are entrusted to our care in whatever manner, to be able to seek our Lord's face in prayer, to allow the sacraments to be a continuous source of strength and consolation for our soul, to be able to do the things that we need to do each day for the glory of the Lord and for the salvation of our souls and that of others. This is the thing. To prepare well for the end, we must prepare our hearts, to prepare our souls. Because in the end, when our Lord comes, it is not supposed to be a thing that is fearsome for us. No one, no one cowers at payday, typically, unless you don't get what you think you deserve. Everyone celebrates the fact that you get the paycheck at the end of things, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, whatever the period it may be. You rejoice in it, and you're grateful for it, because it is your due. And in so many ways, whenever our Lord comes in his glory, it is not something that we as Christians should fear. Rather, we should celebrate his coming. We should look forward to it. Rather than seeking to delay it as much as humanly possible or to avoid the thought of it, we ought to embrace it and rejoice and to celebrate the fact whenever it may be that he comes because payday is here, the divine payday. Where in the labors that we have been here, toiling in the labors in the vineyards of the church, we come finally to share in the fruits of the labors, to behold the face of God, to see his goodness, to know his mercy, and to know that it never ceases, but only increases every single moment. The end is not something to fear, if we are ready. And so this is the grace we ask our Lord today, to help us to prepare our hearts, to be reconciled with him, reconciled with one another, reconciled with our own body, within our own soul, that we might look forward to the day to behold his face, and to enter into the joy that is to come.